In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Anton Crayley about using domestic suppliers. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 18. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the podcast that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski. I'm here today with Anton Crayley. Anton is the founder of Dropship Lifestyle. They do a lot of training around helping new retailers um, get into dropshipping and e-commerce in general. Um, so I want to bring Anton on the show to talk about some of the things we commonly see with uh, people just starting off. Um, so, hey, Anton, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excellent. I know we were talking before the show about um, you know new folks all the time that are starting to look for different you know vendors. Uh, we call them vendors at Spark Shipping, but manufacturers, distributors, um, that sort of thing. And you see, you know, a lot of people with this idea of um, where to get, you know, where to connect with different vendors. Is it something, you know, they should use um, like AliExpress, that sort of thing? Or should they look more kind of domestic, um, you know, vendors that are local to themselves? So I want to kind of talk a little more about that and get your thoughts on that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's typically how it works, right? They want to get into e-commerce. Hopefully, they do their niche research first, choose the product type they want to sell. Then the next step is, okay, where are these products coming from? Um, obviously, drop shipping really all is you're selling a product and someone else is fulfilling the order. So, you know, at I guess a thirty thousand foot view, drop shipping does cover a lot of different. There's a lot of options under it. So, what a lot of people grab online and you do search for that. Let's just say you pick your product type. I don't know if it was water bottles and you search water bottle. You'll probably find in China, which nothing wrong with products manufactured in China. Most are, but a lot of times you'll see tools like Oberlo, tools like AliExpress, where you list these products on your site, and then once someone orders, it gets shipped from China. So that's, I think, most common now, simply because there's a lot of money being invested there behind that, and different marketing platforms behind that. So that's the way most people do it, or at least try to do it. Uh, what's a little different? What we do. What I've been doing in my company is since 2007 is when we want to sell products, we'll actually look for what we call domestic suppliers. A couple benefits to that, which we can do, but when I say domestic, we're based in the States. So for us, we find suppliers in North America. If someone's in Australia, they would find Australia. If someone's in UK, and so on and so on. So domestic to them, basically. Domestic to them, yes. Yep. Yeah. It, um, when did this whole AliExpress um, and all these kind of I don't know what you call them, but like direct to overseas suppliers. Um, mm -hmm. When does this happen? Because I remember years ago um, when I was running an e-commerce site, that just didn't exist. There was no way of actually like getting in. Or you could, but it was um, what was the one before that where you had to order large batches of orders. I mean, Alibaba, Alibaba. that's where AliExpress came from and that's yep. still around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting. When I first started with e-commerce, it was in 2007. And I actually started with importing because I didn't know dropshipping was a thing. And I was using Alibaba back then. So that, you know, for as long as I've known about this has been around. The AliExpress, I started hearing about, I want to say five plus years ago. But recently, I would say in the past two years is when it became almost a trendy thing. Like there's yeah. probably dozens of YouTube channels now, you know, where you see all these Shopify screenshots and it's all overload, AliExpress, dropship from China. And uh, that's just what people naturally think in their head now when they when they hear the term dropshipping. So it's actually, I don't know if you've seen any of this, but recently in the past, I want to say one or two months, there's actually been a lot of press about it now and not in a positive 
place. So huh. uh, the the business, well, it's not a business, the, the magazine, The Atlantic, they wrote an article because someone bought, I think it was a sweater from a Shopify store that was drop shipping from China. And they just wrote about their experience. Like they thought they were getting this premium, that was a jacket, this premium jacket. And then three weeks later, they got, you know, a box in the mail with all Chinese writing on it. That wasn't what they thought it would be. And it was a list kind of their bad experience with it. Uh, the podcast Reply All, which is, you know, really popular, like just a general, more general market, not just business. They just had a podcast and it was called something like the $30,000 watch or something like that. And it was about a, a bad experience with so that's just, you know, the way it's kind of going now. And unfortunately, it's giving dropshipping a worse name than it already had. So we're trying to, you know, try to set the record straight that dropshipping does not mean you're ordering a product from China with no brand, no company behind it. The customer is not waiting three weeks and you still could have a real business. You could still be a legitimate retailer, uh, build something that becomes a real asset that's around, you know, in five years, still in 10 years that continues to grow. You know, you're not, you don't have to try to catch trendy products. You don't have to try to you know, run Facebook direct response ads, there's actually a re real way to incorporate dropshipping into legitimate e-commerce stores that, again, are real assets, not just to you, but to people that want to buy them in the future. Yeah, it's been something new recently where I know, um, so a lot of times just through, um, you know, new retails that I'm talking with, they, they think that AliExpress and those sort of services equal dropshipping. And that's the, like, concept. And you could tell this is something that just came around and years ago it was never even heard of mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden it's drop shipping equals you know seven day lead time three week lead times in a lot of cases mm -hmm. um and i've always wanted to you know when did this happen how did this happen because it just seemed yeah. to come out of the blue and now people think you know drop shipping equals that and it's definitely it's good to kind right. of talk about you know <laughs> there are other options um and, and that was actually that's the new option um the other options are actually older and a little more kind of vetted and mm -hmm. proven um Sure. And I would say even more you know, legitimate because, again, um, I'll give an example of the way yep. we do things, I guess, see the difference. So typically when you hear the dropship from China method, it is in that kind of find a trendy product. So the example that everyone was trying to sell maybe a year ago were the fidget spinners, right? Oh, People yeah. are like, oh, these things sell. I'm going to build a store selling that, right? So that's kind of how that model works. Find something that you know, maybe make, I don't know, something about you know Trump when he was getting a Elected and then trial that to everyone. Where what we do is like, if you look behind me, you know, I have like a coffee table back there, and let's just say I wanted to sell coffee tables. So I would go out there and I wouldn't go to Alibaba even. I would go to Google and I would type in, you know, wooden walnut coffee table. And then I would find a bunch of different stores that were already selling them. So they could be offline stores, they could be online stores, but then I would look to see what companies are they're actually selling for. So, um, you know, I don't even know who, like, I don't even know who makes that, but let's just say it was, you know, West Elm, right? I wouldn't want to just find a company that makes them and sells them direct, but I'd want to find those retailers because that's what we are. So from there, what we do is try to find literally, you know, a category on that website of different brands. And then from there, we can make a list of all the different brands that make coffee tables that are already selling online, that already have good reviews, that already have people searching for them because, you know, they're not, they're not private labeled. They actually have something behind them. And from there, we then reach out to those companies and try to establish the relationship where we can sell their products. We could become the retailer. So we put them on our website and it works in the dropship model. Sure. Where, you know, in that case, West Elm would ship it direct to the customer and uh, it's still drop shipping, but it's just a totally different business model. Then let's find what people are searching on Google for this month and try to run a bunch of Facebook ads really quick. Yeah. And that's the thing you can actually the way you're talking, you can actually start to build a, a brand and a business. And that's kind of what we see on the larger um, businesses. This kind of like one hit wonder mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, yes. It sounds great. And, you know, you read those posts on 
how I made, you know, X amount of money in drop shipping in the past 30 days. And then you kind of dig into it and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, this is definitely not something you're going to do for the next 30 years of your life and then retire. And that's the end. This is going to be yeah. like a, you know, a little flash in the pan and fantastic. It's definitely great. Um, but it's not like a sustainable thing. Um, do yeah. you, you know, when you say buy from a local vendor, are you talking a manufacturer, a distributor, both either? Mm -hmm. We, no, I, ideally, the manufacturer. Is where we're going to get our best terms and where we're going to be able to actually make the most profit. Typically, when you get to the distributor level, it, it depends. We found industries where that is the route we have to go. But in a typical industry, what we found is if you can go manufacture direct, that's where you're going to get map agreements. So minimum advertised price. And that's where like, you know, you're not going to be in a pricing war, which is another huge benefit of selling products for other brands. Your, your margins are pretty much, you know, locked in almost because you're not you can't break that price. You can't list it for whatever you want to list it for. So that's a huge benefit. So explain and, how. Um, so most people might sure. actually not know what MAP is actually. So okay. minimum yeah. advertised price. Yes, it's actually it's like a huge s for most businesses. So um, I'll give you an example, right? So like I have like this phone, like my phone, uh, Google Pixel. I don't know what this like what this costs right now, but let's just say it was six hundred dollars. And let's say that Google said this map on this phone is $600. That means if you went to Verizon or if you went to Best Buy or if you went to Walmart or if you went, you're going to see this for $600 at the lowest advertised price. And the reason that you know Google would have that pricing policy in place or Apple has that pricing policy in place is so that Best Buy can't just say, you know what, we're going to sell for $300 and have everyone come to us because maybe they're okay with making a lower margin. But if they allowed that, then basically this phone is no longer a $600 phone. It's a $300 phone, which hurts the value of it, you know, the perceived value. And it also destroys retail for everyone else that Google would want to sell it. So Map is really to protect the brands, the, the company that are making the things, their perceived value, and also all of the retail partners that are working to sell this product. So we don't companies like I don't sell iPhones I don't sell Google phones we sell things you know like household items uh, if you went to wayfair.com or hayneedle and look through those sites you know that type of thing and what you'll find is even though those companies aren't as recognized they still care about their brands like their business isn't to sell direct to the public their business is to build brands and have companies like us sell their products so map is is super important for everyone involved yep yeah I got mm -hmm. got my start selling um Actually, there was PopCup machines at one point, and even that, there were a lot of manufacturers that had Map, and they wanted to pick their brand, and same concept. And they, they were great because, you know, um, although you can't sell it for anything lower, no one else can either. So you're no longer competing on yes. price at that point. You're exactly. now just trying to add value to the right. customer, and it's not just a, you know, a race to the bot, a race to zero sort of thing. You're actually each one exactly. trying to add more value um, and not just a lower price. So Exactly. Yes, very important. And that's the thing. So when you go the route of e either private labeling, which kind of goes hand in hand with drop shipping from China or anywhere, those products, you know, you're not selling in that case, a West Elm table, you're selling whatever you're selling, you know, an iPhone case, and it's yep. just an iPhone case. So if I wanted to sell it for $10, and you wanted to sell it for $4, and it was the same product, no one's telling you, hey, you can't do that. Yep. So it's a it's a big, it's a big issue. And you asked about the difference between, you know, manufacturer direct and distributor direct. Uh, we found that some distributors do adhere to those map policies through the manufacturers. But often when we've worked with uh, distributors, not that it goes out the window, but it's it was it's been harder for us to find real map policies that are actually enforced. Yep. Whereas with manufacturers, the good ones, they definitely enforce them. And in that example, you know, let's say we were both selling this table and map was 500 and you listed it for 400. Um, just so everyone knows what would, what would happen then is the, the manufacturer would reach out to your store, 
probably depending on the agreement would say, okay, this is your first warning. You know, you have 24 hours to change the price. Second time, okay, you're no longer allowed to sell our products. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how those things are enforced. Yeah, they actually have. Um, I believe they actually have software the manufacturers that can do yes. a scan and they find any kind of violations mm -hmm. and they do go after you. I've uh, I've definitely decided before I've received emails. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know that yeah, does no, happen. We, we've done it accidentally too. You know, yeah. supplier. Typically on our stores, we'll sell for over 20 supplies. We build niche stores, so but e even with that, we'll have you know sometimes over 20 different uh, manufacturers, and it will happen where someone updates their price catalog, and we don't do it. We forget or it gets lost yep. in the mix of things, and then you get a letter that goes, oh, better, better change this fast. Yeah, yeah. It, and it, it could be an honest mistake, and that's why they give you a, a warning, and you say, okay, great, I saw that, and you raise it, but um, mm -hmm. it's actually, it's kind of nice because then you know the other retailer, you know someone's actually looking and checking. Um, Definitely. Then the other thing I always wonder, the people that are kind of, um, I, don't, I don't know the right term for this, drop shipping from overseas is, um, yep. people that are doing that, what do they do with returns? Because I know, I, I don't know how that process works, actually, if you're, yeah. you're buying a one-off from, yeah. right. you know, are so you shipping it back? What the, what's happening there? Typically... Yeah, with uh, with our products, like there's a couple differences. So we sell, we try to keep our average price points like close to a thousand dollars. We'll sell stuff for as low as two hundred, but usually close to a thousand dollar average order value. Um, with that, just so everyone knows, like with domestic suppliers, every supplier will have a different return policy, a different agreement that you sign when you get approved to sell their products. Uh, typically, it will just go back to the to the warehouse, and then they'll issue you a credit, and you know then you'll issue your customer a credit. With the people that drop ship from China, it's inexpensive products yep. where they're trying to sell it, you know, between maybe 10 and $40. So what will happen if let's just say, you know, you ship someone again, a water bottle and it gets to them and they say, I don't want this. It's not what I saw in the ad. Um, then what those companies usually do is just say, okay, just throw it out because it's not, it's not going back to China. Yep. They don't want someone's old defective product, uh, you know, sitting in their apartment or in their garage. So that's usually what happens. That stuff gets thrown away and you kind of eat the cost and factor it into a cost of doing business. Um, I guess they could afford it because they're not expensive anyway, but yeah, it's a totally different process. Yeah. When the margins are tight though, I've definitely, yeah, I've no. always thought that's a, <laughs> you know, that can definitely know. kill your next few orders. Uh, well, it does. Yeah. And, and that's, you mentioned it earlier. You see, you know, these posts all the time, like how I made, you know, X amount of dollars drop shipping and it, they'll show like a 30 day window where they got all these orders. And it's funny because a lot of people that talk about that and that, you know, sell courses about, you know, how they did this one thing are typically showing the same either like little segment of time over and over and over. And it's funny because like you probably know this, you've been in the business for a while too. Like what I'm sure what happens because it doesn't progress. Like they get a bunch of traction, they get a bunch of sales, then three weeks a three week lead time minimum usually to their customers leads up, it adds up. So they're refunding orders that they thought they had the money for. Customers yep. are filing chargebacks and eventually they either lose their merchant account or they just can't even float the cash with credit cards anymore and they can't sell anymore. And like yep. it, it's it's a very common thing when you're using other people's money and have this time. It doesn't it doesn't work over time. It's it's like a mini Ponzi scheme almost yeah it definitely because the thing is people don't see the chargebacks returns those sort of things um oh yeah so yeah. you can get that and and, and the thrown out items you know that's yeah. not show, that's not reflected in someone's shopify dashboard or whatever platform they're using that's just it's just gone yep yep yeah I, i've always thought that when i see these and wonder you know uh, people really uh are they just seeing that top line and real and thinking that's like that's the number um but yeah returns yep. chargebacks um and then what are the, some of the other kind of pitfalls of using these guys um, um, versus domestic. Yeah, it, it, it could fall into, I guess, any business, even if you use domestic, but just a ad strategy. So 
with a lot of our stores, one of the good things about selling for other people's brands is that you get their search traffic. So again, like the companies we sell for, they don't want to sell direct to the public. That's not what they do. They rely on retailers. So we're not really competing with them. We're competing with everyone else that's a retailer of theirs. So that means like, you know, we can get search terms that people buy from. So, you know, brand names, product names, all of those things we rely on. So for us, like traffic source are definitely, you know, organic and nothing, nothing crazy. We're not spending a whole bunch of money on SEO, but we can get those long tail keywords. We also are, our favorite traffic source is Google shopping, Google product listing ads, because again, it's, you know, super specific for what people are searching for. We can get the SKU number of a product that someone's ready to buy, trying to choose what store they're going to buy from and get sales that way. So that's, you know, our kind of method for traffic with the inexpensive items that aren't branded, that are trending, the way people try to get traffic to those typically, again, obviously it's always different, but most of them are doing Facebook ads, Instagram ads, trying to just find people that might be interested and doing direct response, which means, you know, click this, go to my website. Here's a whole bunch of urgency and scarcity and countdown timers. Buy this now <laughs> for $10, right? Yeah. Like, so like that's a totally different game too. So as far as customer acquisition, you know, again, like we've experimented with that and you can make it work, but it's sad to see like all these new people, right. That want to get into that model and they think this is whatever, when they think the only way I'm going to make this work, cause this is all I know is find a supplier in China with a three week lead time, yep. up, you know, the Shopify store or whatever, use Facebook direct response ads like that to make that work. You have to be a really, really, really good marketer. That's not something like even like I've been in e-commerce for like 11, 12 years now, and like that's still hard to make work because yeah. it, it, you have to get so many elements right in that direct response game. Whereas when someone's searching, again, we have uh, we have traffic with intent, so we have people looking for brand names, we have people looking for SKU numbers, then we're saying, hey, here's what you're looking for. Whereas the other route is, hey, we're in front of you on Facebook while you're browsing through your feed. Look at this product. Come buy it right now. So it's just, yep. it's totally different. And again, possible to make work, but very, very difficult, especially if this is your first go at internet marketing or, you know, making money online. Yeah, that's the thing. When you talk in search traffic, um, you know, they always talk about the marketing funnel and the bottom of the funnel, people are ready to buy. The top is exactly. kind of the, you know, the masses. Um, mm -hmm. And when you're advertising at the top, obviously, yeah, that's something like social, Facebook, that sort of thing, you have to nurture people. Um, you're not yes. just, you know, no one's browsing around Facebook and they're scrolling through and go, oh, that table from West Elm. Let's buy that right yeah. now, honey. Like, exactly. <laughs> you know, we have yeah. a perfectly good coffee table, but let's just buy that. I started on Facebook. Um, yep. <laughs> no one's doing that. So you need to kind of no. get those people, bring them in, nurture them over time. And it definitely works, but it's a whole different process. Um, whole different, yeah. The thing you're talking about, um, Google product listing ads, um, those are mm -hmm. when you type in, you know, West Elm, brown coffee table, whatever it is, into Google, and it shows those pictures right up top with the actual yep. product sitting there. Um, yep. And you know somebody who typed that in, they're looking either to like repair the table or to buy one. There's really only like yep. a couple things, but like yep. you're not really Googling a particular table. Um, right. Or and camera. if they click your ad, it has the price too. So like they yeah. know where they're going. You know, yeah. They know they're going to see something for sale. So yep. it's just a very, very high quality source of traffic. Yeah. So you, those converted a whole different rate. That's, it's not even, they're much more expensive, right? To buy. Um, it, not really. So it depends. It so depends. If, if you just set up, you know, like, yeah, like anything, it depends. If you just set up, let's say you use, you know, Shopify for your store and you set up a, a, a your Google Merch Center account and you make one campaign in AdWords because AdWords manages it all yep. and it's called all products and everything's in there, then it's going to be expensive because 
with uh, with PLAs and you know product listing ads, you don't choose your keywords. So like basically, Google scrapes your site. They take your product CSV, and then they decide where your product should be. So if you just throw it all in there and say, "Hey, Google, have fun with it," it could be really expensive. Yep. But you can use negative keywords and use uh, like a tiered campaign approach, which is what we do. And by doing that, we can have our campaigns where we're spending money on the brand names, on the product names, on the SKU numbers. And it's it's cheaper than you know a traditional search deck ad in Google, and it converts higher. So, yep. yeah. yeah, yeah. It, you, Again, like, like anything, like if, if anyone's watching this and they're brand new to e-commerce, they're like, oh, where, where do I start? Like, I get that, but like, just know like it, anything, even Facebook ads, if you just list it, like go on Facebook, business manager, and launch an ad, like it's probably not going to work your first time. So it all takes, you know, trial and error and learning it all, but it, it can be, you can acquire customers very cheaply there. Yeah, the thing with negative keywords, people who haven't seen that yeah. before, you can go in yep. and um, you can say words like support or fix or repair, things like that. Mm -hmm. Things where you know that people aren't, if they're looking for repairing a West Elm table, they're not looking to yep. buy a new one. You know automatically mm -hmm. you don't want those people clicking on your ad. So you can put in a list mm -hmm. of keywords like that. Those people don't even see yep. your ad. You don't pay for those clicks. Um, Mm -hmm. And it helps to reduce your overall cost per click. And we'll even segment out keywords like coffee tables. Like, yep. So we'll still have that in a campaign where we'll spend some. But like, so back in the day, like when we, you know, first got into e-commerce and I thought like SEO was the holy grail and that's what we wanted. You know, we had a few sites where went after those niche keywords and spent a ton of money with different SEO agencies. And we ended up ranking for some, you know, really, really good keywords. And what happened is we got a ton of traffic, but we didn't get sales. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, a coffee table, someone searches for that and they click your link, you know, that, that's very tiny. Like it doesn't mean they have their credit card in their hand. Like I want to buy a coffee table. Yep. It could mean lots of different things. So yeah, yeah. That's one we try to spend less on. Yeah. One of the other things actually, and I just remember this from what you were saying before is people go on and uh, use their credit card and try to finance all this. Um, mm -hmm. One of the benefits of domestic um, suppliers is getting terms, credit terms. Um, yep. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So if for, you know, any reason to, you know, kind of money, you could do that. So um, when you're filling out supplier applications, so I guess we didn't mention that, but these suppliers, at least the good ones, I, the ones that have the map policies. I apologize for asking uh, so many questions. I'm very, I see no, no. this all the time and I see uh, people kind of stumbling um, that I know. That's good. So this is very yeah. uh, near and dear to my heart, this topic, because yeah. <laughs> um, I want people to actually, you know, that it gets getting started. I want people to actually kind of get started in the right direction. Right. And when I see this and I kind of see people, I know it's going to be a, a tough, long road. Um, yep. So I just kind of, yeah. this is a very no, uh, near and dear topic happy. to me. Yeah, I'm happy to answer it. Because like, it, and it, like, to say domestic supplier, great, but there is a lot behind it. So like, whereas with Oberlo or AliExpress, you can go, anyone could go on there right now yep. and just say, I want to sell this. Uh, that's it. You can sell that product with the domestic suppliers. Again, the ones that enforce map policies, you're going to reach out to them and you almost have to like pitch yourself to them. So, um, you know, there's, you have to have a website in place first. They're not going to just say, you can't just call them like, Hey, can I sell your products? Th that's not going to work. So not that it's the hardest thing in the world, but you do need a website in place typically so they could see what it looks like and that you actually have a legitimate business. And then when you get their paperwork, one of the things you're going to sign, uh, you're going to sign the, the map agreement, which means you can't yeah, sell for less than that. You're typically going to sign something that, sells, that says you're not going to sell their products on uh, Amazon or on eBay because they're selling like at auction or anywhere where like, I don't know, we've seen Amazon a lot, eBay, understandably, because they don't want it as an auction. Um, and then the terms, that's one thing you could apply for. So if you want that, you can either get 30 day or 60 day, sometimes more if 
established business um, or more of a relationship with that supplier. But that basically means that if you get invoiced today, you could pay them 30 days for it. So, um, you know, a lot of businesses choose to do that to keep kind of cash in their business. What's funny about it, though, is I'll say we almost never take credit terms. And the reason is, is because we just want to give them our credit card and have them charge it every time they, before they ship an order. Because obviously like a big thing with selling expensive products and you know selling a good amount of them is you rack up a lot of rewards. So yeah. um, that's a big benefit. And sometimes what the suppliers will do if you take terms is want that invoice at the end of the month or the months to be paid with a wire or a check. So we just tell them charge the credit card and yeah, we want the points. Yeah. I- yeah. I've, I've done both before and it really, um, the, the points are nice actually. It's a nice, yeah. you're building some very, you know, some high numbers, right? Once you start kind of rolling. Um, yep. and some of these are relatively low margin businesses, but the overall gross mm-hmm. is quite high. So if you're putting that on your, you know, MX gold card, whatever it is, um, yeah. Oh yeah. You get some free flights very quickly with that. Quite a Definitely. few. Actually, it, adds, so. it, it adds up really quick. Yeah, yeah. It adds up really quick. Um, so we do that. And then again, like, so if, if you did want terms though, and that was, you know, something you want to use in your business, that's obviously not an option. If you're using something, you know, where you're using AliExpress, like that, they, they might have some programs like that for high volume sellers. I'm honestly really not sure, but I know it's not like a default thing where it's, you know, pay it whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, uh, mm-hmm. I, I know it's, it's easy too to do it where you kind of spread it around too. You can have someone credit terms, someone a credit card, um, mm-hmm. just depending on who you're buying from that month and kind of volume. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, yeah. So let's say someone's sitting out there and they're saying, okay, I definitely want to get started with this. Um, mm-hmm. what's, um, and actually one thing to mention real quick, cause I actually did a podcast. Um, I forget what episode, but a while back on kind of stair stepping from these different vendors, um, on how, once you start off, like you said, you launch a site, that first manufacturer isn't going to, um, isn't going to just say, great, you can sell my product. Um, you can mm-hmm. find some basic ones that might say yes, but kind of the, yep. the better ones tend not to, they want to see products, some sort of reputation an actual business address. Um, pretty much they want to see that you're a functional business and you're not just, you know, a guy buying, um, you know, a bunch of whatever for his house basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've kind of always had this concept of, you have to kind of stay a step from, the entry level vendors up to the higher um, end vendors. So that's just been something I've mm-hmm. always uh, something that yeah. I know in my business I, I had to do as well. Just kind of when I was getting started, there's vendors at day one, they'll just take your application and say, "Great, here's some products." And there's other people that, you know, three years in, they'll still say no. Um, it's true. So you just have to know who they are, and you have to start somewhere and just kind of build your site from there. Yeah. So I'll just speak on that for a minute because we actually, so we, we break this down um, into three different categories of suppliers okay. that you know, we call the bronze, silver, gold. So pretty self-explanatory what order they go in. Bronze suppliers are ones that I tell people like never work with. And they're the ones that don't have map policies to sell their products. Yep. So with those, you know, you go to their website and it's like, yeah, we drop ship. Want to drop ship our products? a hundred dollars a month or you know it's a five hundred dollar setup fee and we'll build your website like anything like that you're never going to make any money with so yep. those just move on yeah um the next like silver is where the majority of suppliers will fall and if you're in the states and you choose any kind of home goods there's tens of thousands of different companies that would fall into this category um these are the ones that do have like good customer service so they'll actually respond to your emails they won't mention the 
drop shipping. Like a lot of the good companies, they don't use that term because yep. they know it has a negative connotation associated with it. Uh, they, you know, they do enforce map policies. Um, they're the ones that'll make up most of your business. The gold suppliers are like the ones that you were talking about that might take years to get approved with. But what's good about them is like they'll usually only have a handful of retailers. They'll list you on your site as one of the go-to resources to buy from. They'll send customers to you yep. if someone calls them and wants to buy. So like that's like that's the best. So you know that's something kind of plan for in the long term. But these silver suppliers, like what I would recommend for anyone just getting started is choose a product type where you could find at least 20 of them. Because when you're calling them, you're trying to get approved. They're not, like you said, they're not going to all approve you. Yeah. So if you choose something where there's five different manufacturers, you know, and three of them reject you or four of them reject you, you don't have anything to work off of. So I always say, first of all, try to find at least 20. That way, you know, you, even if you get half of them, you still have a store. You could build out a real store. You can get traffic to it. Then eventually circle back to the, the 10 that reject you originally yep that's yeah. good yeah that's a really good way of looking at it i definitely mm -hmm. uh i've seen that same thing so many times and i like that concept uh the bronze ones where literally anyone you know you just <laughs> you could have your you know coming soon yeah. page on your store and sign up and they say great come you know give us a hundred dollars yeah, yeah, yeah. you can be a retailer <laughs> yeah you're in you're in like, what do i have to pay what do i have to pay you um exactly that's not how this business relationship works yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then like you said the silver and you usually get like an account manager sort of thing where you can yep, call with questions definitely. there's someone that actually mm -hmm. like you know, it's not just uh, support at Vendor X where it just goes into a black hole. Exactly. Um, there's mm -hmm. someone that actually will work with you. Um, yes. Yeah. I like that. That's a, definitely a good way of looking at it. So, mm -hmm. so let's say somebody wants to get started. Um, you mentioned Googling around, trying to find some niche products. What would you kind of recommend kind of as first steps? So, yeah. Um I would say don't use the term dropshipping, and it's yeah. crazy because like it's like oh dropship lifestyle, but like we do that so people could find us. But yeah, if you find websites that mention you know here's a list of dropshippers, or they're usually a middleman, or yeah. they're one of those companies that'll charge you. So that's not the way to do it. Um, as far as like identifying product types, seriously, I would recommend thinking of things that you've bought online in the past that you know fall into that two hundred dollar plus range. If you don't spend money online yourself, ask your family and friends like what they've bought online. And the way that we try to do it, like that's step one, like not any list, not any directory, just try to identify products. And then literally we'll go on Google and try to find websites that are selling those products. And then the next step is try to find if those websites that are selling those products have retail locations or not. Yep. So we want to find them that don't have retail locations. So, you know, go to their contact page, go to their about us page. And if you could find ones that even have ad addresses, like Google it, because most of the time it's probably a UPS store, which is fine. But if you're finding stores that have, you know, warehouses that have showrooms, those aren't what I would call your future competitors because they're going to get approved with different suppliers that you can get approved with. So you want to find the ones that, you know, literally are just selling online. Maybe they have a mail address and then once you identify those see what brand on their site because those are the brands that you can then proactively reach out to and also try to sell for and that's because and just so people understand there's certain suppliers mm -hmm. out there that will only work with um retailers with a physical um like showfront type address um there's also another kind of level where they only work with folks with like a business address just can't put in your you know random house on a side street um yep. this is kind of these different tiers so if there are vendors, though, they'll only work with actual retail storefront brick and mortar. Um, and like you said, if that's all they have, then it's probably not going to work with you, you know, work yep. out for you with that one. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And like, and the other thing you said, actually, it's a good point is when you're contacting them, uh, even mentioning drop shipping probably isn't the first kind of like lead in. Um, it's actually no. not a term that manufacturers use. Um, <laughs> it's like a made up internet term somehow. Um, but uh -huh. Manufacturers really don't use it, which is interesting. Yeah. 
We simply, we say, you know, we're calling from xyzstore.com, um, you know, do you work with internet retailers? That's yep. typically how we phrase it. And then eventually we'll get to the business model that they're going to be the ones fulfilling it. But we start that conversation with, do you work with internet retailers? Yep. Mm-hmm. I like that. So once you kind of find your first few, and how many do you say you want to start with? I would say at least 20 potential suppliers. Yep. Yep. Now, do you recommend going kind of deep into a niche or more kind of, you know, the wide, the coffee table or kind of niching? really far down uh, so typically it, it varies i guess but like i would say if, if you can't find at least 20 then go up a level yep. um and if things make sense to put together then put them together so if like if someone wanted to sell you know reclining chairs but the reclining chairs came from manufacturers that also sold matching love seats and sofas then you want to sell living room you know furniture like and have it as one of your product types um so it really it really depends like i wouldn't get a specific like with the coffee table example i wouldn't sell you know i wouldn't have like wooden brown coffee tables.com i would have <laughs> coffee tables.com yeah. yeah not that specific not yeah. that specific or even no. what i've personally found a lot of people doing is just you know odd industries that you're not um not necessarily going on an amazon sort of thing you're not just competing against everyone in the world it's something that yep. only someone with a certain hobby or a certain field of interest or something, just a certain type of person um, mm-hmm. is going to come to your site. And there's a very specific type of person. Um, so for instance, someone, I do CrossFit, for example, um, mm-hmm. something like that, you know, it's a very specific type of person. They go to this type of gym. Um, you, you know who they are. So finding products for that, it's a whole mm-hmm. different kind of thing than just saying, I want to sell blenders um, Definitely. to, you know, everyone's yeah. kitchen in, in the world. Yeah, that, the, the whole life experience thing. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, like, what have you bought? Like, also, yeah, what are your hobbies? What are your passions? Even what do you do for work? Because maybe you're, in your career, you deal with a certain product type that I would never think of. Like, yep. with Dropship Lifestyle, you know, that we've had since 2013. I've been building stores since 2007. People still, like, to this day, will have ideas, and they'll tell me about it, and I'll be like, I don't even know what that is. And then they'll do well with it. So, like, there's there's opportunity out there, like you said, in the, in those things that, that you probably have that experience with that not everyone else in the world does. And those are the things that you're not going to get into by going on Google and typing in, you know, hot dropship products. Like, that's yeah. not the same thing. That's, yeah. Yeah. Big when difference. You see people looking around for a list of, like, dropship vendors, and you're like, yeah. you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like, go, yes. the, go the other direction. Don't just... Exactly. You're not just... Um, and I'll let you kind of speak to this, but the goal isn't to just try to find, you know, vendors, like just manufacturers, suppliers, that sort of thing. The goal is to find products you want to sell and then kind of back into it the other direction. I don't know if that's, right. yeah. Right. And then you, you mentioned before, like that stair step approach. And even like, even now, let's just say someone did want to get into, you know, CrossFit products and they were like, oh, I want to manufacture my own. And they had a hundred thousand dollars that that's what they were going to put towards. I would still tell that person, like do the stair step thing, but start with, okay, you know, the products, build your e-commerce store, find the best brands that are making these products that you could drop ship for list their products, start selling them, identify what people actually want, what they're buying from you already, and then use the money that you're making from yep. your store. Plus the money you wanted to invest anyway, and then create your own product brand based off that, put it on the store. You already have that at that point, you know, has a history, has traffic, sell your own brand on there too so like that that's you know you, before when you said the stair step thing that was my thought process because that's a lot of times what what we'll do yeah that's actually that's a good one i i make up terms all the time i actually wrote a post yeah. on um hybrid drop shipping i think mm-hmm. it was called where basically exact same thing you're talking about using a model of actual you know drop ship but also um sell fulfill locally as well so maybe you want to sell your own you know you have three SKUs that you actually produce but you have another mm-hmm. thousand SKUs that are out to manufacture you can do both. Um, and you don't need to, 
you don't need to pick. I'm either going to drop ship or build my own. Um, you can drop ship mm -hmm. some, generate traffic, try different things. Um, what I've mm -hmm. also seen people do is start with drop shipping all of their SKUs, find, um, let's just say, auto parts. Um, you know, you might, let's say you sell headlights, right? You might not want to stock headlights for a 1985 um, Camaro. They're probably not that popular anymore. But you might have your top 10 SKUs, those you bring in-house. You can drop ship the other 1,000 SKUs, mm -hmm. but your top ones, bring those in-house, sell them locally, and you do that kind of hybrid type approach where uh, you, know, you don't need to go exclusively either direction. So I definitely, no. I, I definitely love that approach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a great the people that, you know, well, yeah, if it's drop shipping alone, what, what's good about that is it could be, you know, it's, obviously it's not, nothing's automated, but you can get it set up to where if you have, you know, a couple of VAs working with you, maybe you're putting like 30 minutes a day in, but if it's something where, you know, it's full time and you want to have that warehouse and you want to have your own product lines, a hundred percent, that's what I recommend doing the example you just gave. So like, this is another way, like to, to get like almost like sneaky with traffic. But like if you wanted to build, sell coffee tables and make your own brand, then again, build that website, you know, coffeetables.com, get approved for the probably 200 companies that make them because there's probably at least 200 different manufacturers I'd be able to find online like in a day of doing research, get the sales, get the traffic. And then once you know what you want to sell and you put your own product line on your website, you know, that becomes the yep. call to action on your homepage. That becomes the thing in your sidebar. That becomes a product brand that you're promoting in your newsletter. And you're getting all that traffic from all these other search terms because you're selling them. And if they buy them, great, you make money. Or if they take your special offer on the products that you make where your margins are higher, great, you make even more. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to get creative with drop shipping, which, you know, definitely is, again, like, well, why I want to, because like I, I know 99% of people know the term dropshipping right now. If you ask them what it is, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, connect overload to Shopify, use yeah. AliExpress, and you're good. Like, no, that's not what it is. There's tons <laughs> of legitimate ways to use this. Yeah, There's tons of ways, and there's ways to kind of evolve over time. Like you said, you could start with you mm -hmm. know just one-off products manufacturers. You can move to stocking a few. So there's a lot of different things, and it's not just this like basic – there's not like this one basic definition um, that you read some – you know late night post on Reddit or yep. whatever um, about some guy that was an overnight millionaire. Um, exactly. I think this is very helpful. I think um, definitely glad to talk about this. Hopefully some people get a lot of value out of this. They're kind of just starting off and, you know, w wondering what direction to go in. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, either any resources, uh, any links people can find you just so if they yeah. want to um, you know, learn more about this. Yeah. We, we post weekly to our blog at dropshiplifestyle.com. So literally every Tuesday, Day for the, I don't even know, three or four years since we started the blog part. Uh, there's been a new post there. And then, um, so that's dropshiplifestyle.com. And then YouTube channel, same thing. I post every week a new video there. And that's youtube.com slash dropshiplifestyle. So definitely check that out also. Yeah, I'll link up to both of those. And, uh, cool. I think people find that helpful. So awesome. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. And it was great chatting with you. Yeah. All right, thank you. Have a good Thanks, one. Thanks, everybody. All Thanks. right, see ya. Bye-bye. Cool. Yeah, you too. See ya. Bye. Thank you.